Welcome to Fountain of Life Worship Center's podcast. We're glad you're here with us today. Today you will hear a message previously recorded from our pastor, youth pastor, or a guest speaker. Join us as we know God, grow in God, and go with God today. Let's jump into the message. have your Bibles, if you would go with me to Philippians chapter 2. Thank you again to our praise team. Philippians chapter 2, starting at verse number 1. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ... 
if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every Amen. Give air high fives to everybody. It's good to see some faces here that we've not seen in a while. But we've talked about the last couple of weeks, we've been in a series called Grow, and we've talked about, I actually gave you the wrong slide, Connie, but it's fine. <laughs> we're, you've we're back into week one on that one, but it's fine. But this week we're going to talk about serving and servanthood, and we talked about in week one, we talked about the word, and then in week last week, uh, we talked about worship, and then this week we're going to talk about servanthood, which I think is one of the very key things of our Christian walk that we take. I, I don't think we truly understand the significance of service. Uh, you know, servanthood is a means of grace, and what I mean by that, a means of grace is, I guess you could say a tool or an instrument that God uses to strengthen and nourish us as we grow into the likeness of God. And one of the ways he does that is through service when we serve one another. We live in such a selfish society anymore that everything that we do, uh, it, it has to, uh, the, the question is no longer, uh, what am I doing? You know, how can I help somebody else? But if what I do, how's this going to uh, uh, benefit me? And, and I think we've lost one of the key ingredients of what makes a, a strong church a good church, and that's servanthood. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9, he says, For we are laborers. Together with God, ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building. He's talking to all of us. So this means that you and I are tools of God to show the grace of God through serving one another. Now, the more I serve and the more we serve the kingdom of God, I believe the more Christ-like we become. How can we not when Jesus himself said that he came to serve and not be served? So I would venture to say that we would be more Christ-like if we're serving one another. Paul, in fact, even said be imitators of God. So Jesus came to serve and not be served. He told his disciples that. And here's the thing that really I think we need to understand more than anything. Service is not an optional aspect of Christianity. It's not an optional thing. It's, it's something that we should be doing. Believers are called to serve. Believers are called to be servants of God. And, you know, it may not be a paid position, but we all have to serve in some aspect. Go with me to Gen or Exodus chapter 1. Exodus chapter 1, starting at verse number 8. And I'm going to read a little bit of scripture today, so uh, bear with me. But I think today I'm going to be more in teach mode than preach mode because I think this is something we really, really need to get down inside of us and understand. But it says in verse 8, Now there arose up a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. And he said unto his people, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come on. Let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply. 
And it come to pass that when there falleth out any war, they join also unto our enemies, and they fight against us, and so get them up out of the land. Therefore they did not set over them, therefore they did set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens, and they put for Pharaoh treasure cities, Pithom and Ramses. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. And they were grieved because of the children of Israel. And the Egyptians made the children of Israel to serve with rigor. And they made their lives bitter with hard bondage in mortar and in brick and in all manner of service in the field. All their service wherein they made them serve was with vigor or with hardship. So the, 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 the children of God, the children of Israel, they are laboring under bondage. They are, the Israel was crying out to God, God give us freedom. And God's response was to a man by the name of Moses. And he appears to Moses in a burning bush, and he called him to go to Egypt. And he said, when you get to Egypt, I want you to confront Pharaoh. And when you confront him, I want you to tell him to let my people go. Now, how would you like to have that position? And what did Moses say? Go over to chapter 3 of Exodus. Chapter 3, verse 7. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters. For I know their sorrows, and I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land unto a good land and a large, unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, and all them other sites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, and that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses said unto God, Who am I? that I should go into Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt. And he said, Certainly I will be with thee, and this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God upon this mountain. The redemption story of the Old Testament. We see God has redeemed the children of Israel, but we can't miss what he redeemed them from and what he redeemed them to. What I mean by that is he didn't deliver them so much out of Egypt and out of slavery so that they could go do whatever they wanted to do. He called them to serve him. Moses, I'm going to send you to Pharaoh Pharaoh is going to deliver, he's going to let the people go. I'm going to, uh, to redeem them. I'm going to release them from the bondage of slavery. And here's what I'm telling you. Once you all begin to go, I'm calling you to serve me. He called them to serve him. He called them out of service to Pharaoh into service to him. And Moses delivered them and freed them from bondage. And now we have to understand that Christ came not to take us out of Egypt, but to free us from the bondage of Satan. 
That's the New Testament. He freed us from the bondage of Satan. Yet, when he delivers us out of the bondage of sin, something happens. There's an exchange that happens. We exchange masters. You see, he calls us to be his servants. And I've always said, and you've already heard me say this a lot, we have no problem calling him Savior. But man, we struggle calling him Lord. We struggle calling him Lord because when we call him Lord, that means we're servants and he is Lord over everything. Our schedules, our money, our time, our talents, everything we have is his and he's over it. Now think about that just for a moment this morning because, you know, there's a, it's easy to call him Savior. We like grace and mercy. But then he calls us to serve. Paul himself, he called himself a slave a lot in his writings. He knew Christ purchased him. Paul knew that he was called into service. And and what Paul was preaching still applies to us today. I think it was in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Paul says that we are bought with a price. We are bought with a price. Jesus paid it all. I love that song, but it is so true. We need to belong to him, the one that paid the price, and to do that, we have to serve him. And to serve him does not mean just come to church on a Sunday occasionally. You see, Joshua, even at the end of his life, he got the people together, and he said, we're going to renew our oath, the the covenant that we made with God. And in Joshua chapter 24, he says in verse 14, Now therefore fear the Lord, and serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood, and in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. Now think, he told them, he said, you're serving the wrong things. You're serving pagan idols. Put those things that our fathers before us served, and in all sincerity and in all truth, let's serve the Lord. That kind of takes us back to what we talked about a little bit last week in John chapter 4 with the Samaritan woman at the well. Jesus told her that God is seeking those who would worship him in spirit and in truth. Joshua kind of said the same thing when he said in sincerity and truth. And he went on to say in verse 15, And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers, the gods your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. He said, But for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He didn't just say worship, he said, We will serve the Lord. I mean, we are to be servants, and and we are to serve. He said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Jesus said himself in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, he said, no man can serve two masters. He said he will love one and hate the other. Church, we can't serve two masters. We can't straddle the fence. The enemy, Satan, owns the fence. We can't, I mean, we serve the living God and Christ or we serve Satan and the interest of Satan. 
There's no in-between. Our motto for this church and our individual homes should always be that very slogan right there. For me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And not just say it and put it up on a, on a wooden plaque somewhere. We need to mean it when we put it there and we say it because service isn't something that we enjoy. In our culture, being a servant is degrading. We think it's beneath us. We think when we, we say servant, it's beneath us. We're, you know, we're supposed to be Christians, and that means Christ-likeness. And we get upset because we're servants. I know myself as a Christian. I'm commanded to serve. Jesus is the disciples struggled with the command to serve. Matthew chapter 20 says, Then came to him the mother of Zebedee's children with her sons, worshiping him and desiring a certain thing of him. And he said unto her, What wilt thou? What wilt thou? She said unto him, Grant that these my two sons may sit, one on the right hand and the other on the left, in thy kingdom. But Jesus answered and said, You know not what you ask. Did he not say that a lot? Are you able to drink? of the cup that I shall drink of and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with, they, they say unto him, we are able. They don't even know what they're saying. And he said unto him, you shall drink indeed of my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give. It shall be given to them for whom it is prepared of my father. I, this always cracks me up when I read this and I see this because James and John, they're sitting there and all cocky and, and, and we'll drink the cup. We'll drink the cup that the Father's put before you. I don't even, they don't have a clue. I mean, what kind of, what, what kind of looked, I mean, Jesus kind of looked at him. He said, so you think you're ready. You're ready to take the cup of God's wrath. Do you really think that you're ready to take the sins of the world and place them on your shoulders? Do you really think that the full measure of God's judgment and the justice and the justice of the cross you're able to bear upon your back up on a cross? You think you can take that? And they said, "Yes." You really think you can take that cup? He says, "I, you know, I'm going to go into the gates of hell. Do you think you can do that?" And they say yes. They had no clue what Jesus was asking of them. The other ten get mad. They're mad at James and John because Jesus corrected them all. He said in verse 25 through 28, Jesus called them unto him and said, Ye know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them. And they that are great exercise authority upon them. But it shall not be so among you. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister or your servant. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came to be ministered unto, but, or not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus just gave the definition of greatness. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. The mandate was not just given to two people, but the mandate was given to the whole kingdom of God. 
Everybody that's part of the kingdom, it is a mandate from the king that we imitate him by being servants. Y'all ain't a man in the day. Jesus places a burden on the apostles, and all through the book of Acts, it cost them their lives. He commanded them to go into the world and to, to preach the gospel. That was their mission. Go to the Jew first. And then he said, then on to the Gentile. Go, preaching. That's my mission. He said, go and serve. Look at Acts chapter 6, verse 1 through 5. And in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of disciples, the, the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is no reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over the business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nakarna, and Timon, and all these weird names. But every person, every person that is born again is called into ministry. We're all called in to ministry. We don't get away from that. We're all called to make sure that the task of the kingdom takes place. It's up to all of us that the poor are taken care of. It's up to all of us that the gospel is preached here and out there. It's up to us that the word of God is taught to adults and kids. We, uh, hint, hint, we need kids' teachers worship it's up to us to make sure that it takes place it's up to us to make sure that the church is cleaned it's up to us to make sure that the grass gets cut it's up to us that's service that is ministry but it doesn't mean everybody is called to be an evangelist a teacher or a preacher listen to me if you scrub the toilets you are just as much as a minister as those that preach the gospel of Jesus Christ there is no job bigger and better than the other we're all in kingdom business the New Testament tells us that God gives every Christian a gift and that gift is to be opened up and used for the service of Christ it amazes me how many people sit in chairs every Sunday that God has gifted you with so many gifts and talents and you sit on them because you don't feel like you can that there's any place for them. God gifted you and he's not sorry about it. God has given you a gift. If he's given you a gift to be a caregiver to the shut-ins and to the widows, do it. That's not everybody's gift. If he's given you a gift to be in children's ministry, do it. That's not everybody's gift. I've said it before. If you don't like kids, you don't want to be in kids' ministry. But we're all called to do our part and making sure that the ministry of the church and the ministry of the kingdom is fulfilled. Luke chapter 17 shows the disciples coming to Jesus. He's, I mean, and 
Jesus is asking him, you know, they're asking him for a raise. But they're not asking him for a raise in pay. They wanted a raise in faith. They, 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 they link Jesus' faith and his power to his response. And look what he says in Luke 17. And the apostles said unto the Lord, Increase our faith. And the Lord said, If you had faith as a grain of a mustard seed, you might say unto this sycamine tree, Be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. But which of you, having a servant plowing or feeding cattle, will say to him, and by will say unto him, by and by, when he is come from the field, go and set to meat. And will not rather say to him, make ready wherewith I may sup, and gird them thyself, and serve me till I have eaten and drunken, and afterward thou shalt eat and drink. Doth he think that the servant, because he did the things that were commanded him? I trow not. So likewise, ye, when ye shall have done all these things which are commanded of you, say, we are unprofitable servants we have done that which was our duty to do so what a weird way to answer their request i love what he said he tells them a story about servants coming in after finishing the task on the field and he breaks that story down and jesus was what he was doing he was teaching the disciples how to serve an important truth from that whole story is that what it, the very last one of the very last sentences? It says, We are unprofitable servants. Does that mean we have no value? No. We have value in Christ. But what it means is we don't gain no brownie points for service. It should be normal acts of grace. That's who God has called us to be. Some people used to believe and they still believe that we gain merits by works. Check mark, came to church. Check mark, gave in the offering. Check mark, cut grass at the church this week. Check mark, done this, done that. You can check all you want, but you ain't getting no brownie points. Think about it. A normal act of grace is that we serve. Jesus puts it into perspective in Luke chapter 17. What deed could I possibly do that was something that God wouldn't require me to do anyway? This is why our redemption is by grace and grace alone. It, it, it's just the way it is. There is only one thing that I can place before God that is my own, and that's my sin. That's the only thing that I can place before him that's my own. The only thing that can redeem me is not my works. It's nothing like that, but the work that Christ has performed on my behalf. It amazes me that he freely came to do the Father's will. And not only did he freely come, but he submitted himself to the law for our sake. Think about that. He is the only profitable servant there ever was, ever will be. And if we serve out of an effort to earn our way to heaven, you and I are deceiving ourselves. Our motivation for serving should not be brownie points. It should be my love for God and my love for others. Everything I serve. You know, people say, well, why should I do that for? Because. 
You do it and somebody else don't have to do it, so you served them. I mean, I'm serving because Christ purchased my salvation and my love toward him makes me want to serve him. I'm not serving to earn salvation. That old hymn, Rock of Ages, there's a line in there that says, Nothing in my hand I bring, simply to the cross I cling. I, I, I think about that. The writer of that song, he understood that after we have done our best, after we have given everything that we have, we're still servants. Nothing changes that. We're still servants. No matter how good I serve, I gain nothing by it. And I only, I mean, only being in service, you know, makes, uh, that's what, I mean, nothing makes me worthy. We gain nothing by it. We can, we only offer God what we have, and that's to serve. John Piper says, the motive for our obedience should not just be a sense of duty. I think a lot of times we do what we do for the kingdom just because we feel like it's our sense of duty. Sometimes we obey just because it's better than sacrifice. Sometimes we don't feel like obeying. And sometimes we can't wait until we feel like it. <laughs> but you can't wait until you feel like it. You see, we should be serving with joy, with motivation, because of what he has done for us. I think people all the time, they say, well, I don't feel like doing this. I don't feel like doing that. And I always want to say, do you think that he felt like putting a cross on his back and walking up that hill? I don't think he felt like doing that. You know, and I love what, here's a little hint of what Jesus says in Matthew 16, verse 27. He says, for the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. According to does not mean our works earn us a reward. God in his grace distributes rewards according to our service. Even though our works, we don't deserve it, but when we receive our reward in heaven, we receive it. I mean, we receive them as people who in our own selves don't deserve it. Go with me to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. Here's a little parable about being productive. Verse 12, he said, therefore, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten, ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy till I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a message after him, saying, We will not have this man to reign over us. And it came to pass that when he was returned, having received the kingdom, then he commanded these servants to be called unto him to whom he had given the money that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Then came the first, saying, Lord, thy pound gained ten pounds. And he said unto him, Well, thou good servant, because thou hast been faithful in a very little, have thou authority over ten cities. And the second came, saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained five pounds. And he said likewise to him, Be thou also over five cities. And another came, saying, Lord, here is thy pound which I have kept laid up in a napkin. For I feared thee, because 
Thou art an usher man, and takest thou takest up, and thou layest not down, and reapest that 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 thou didst not sow. Y'all like this, right? And he said unto him, Out of thine own mouth will I judge thee, thou wicked servant. Thou knewest that I was an usher man, taking up that taking up that I laid not down, and reaping that I did not sow. Wherefore then gavest not thou my money into the bank, that at my coming I might have required my own ushery. And he said unto him unto them that stood by, Take from him the pound and give it to him that hath ten pounds. And they said unto him, Lord, he hath ten pounds. For I say unto you, that unto every one which hath which hath shall be given, and from him that hath not, even that he hath shall be taken away from him. But those mine enemies, which would not, I should reign over them, bring hither and slay them before me. That was a mouthful. But he's trying to tell us that we should be productive with what he gives us. Jesus was calling his people to delay their gratification because Jesus says, I want to invest in the future, and, I, and we need future growth. We need to invest. Everything we do, see, that's what where we have messed up in the church so badly. We have become so selfish that everything we do, we want it to benefit us now. We want everything we do to, to, to benefit us now, and that's not what God had intended. He wanted what we do now to benefit generations to come. You see, we're here today because of the people who were pushing the plow in the 50s and the 60s. And hopefully, if Jesus doesn't come in 2040 and 2050, there's people that are still plowing because of what we did today. That's what Jesus was saying. Jesus wants to, uh, us to invest in our future. He wants the investment to, go, to grow. This rich master who had to go away, I mean, Jesus has gone to heaven, church, and he has left behind treasures for us. What does he expect? I'll tell you what he expects. When he comes back, he expects those things that he left us with to not have been buried. He expects them to be progressed to have grown. In fact, he said, greater things you'll do because I go to the Father. God wants us to be productive with what he has given us, not unprofitable, but we, I mean, he doesn't want us to be unproductive saints. I mean, we can't be a sleeping church. We have to honor God with our gifts. If you have an, a, a gift in art, you need to be using that somehow, some way in the kingdom of God. If you have a gift of teaching, you need to be using that in the kingdom. If you got a gift of just loving on people, there's places that we can place you to put you in to let you thrive in your gift. I promise you there's people that need loved. We can't be sleeping and hiding our gifts. Jesus isn't going to accept it. He said unto them that stood by, take from him the pound and give it to him that hath ten pounds. A parable of service. What are we doing with what God gave us? The worst thing we can do is waste the gifts that God has given us. They were given to us for Christ's sake, for his glory, for his honor. As Talena comes to the piano, 
There's an old song that she's getting ready to sing. And in the verse or the chorus, it says, We fall down, we lay our crowns at the feet of Jesus. We lay down our crowns, we lay down our gifts because they were His in the first place. He gave them to us. And you and I have to be or, and become productive saints. But more importantly, we have to become faithful servants. 1 Corinthians 4, let a man so account for of us as the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Stewards are people who are given responsibilities to manage someone else's household. Nothing we have is ours, church. God, it's His, and He's given it to us to be stewards over. Everything. Every dime that's in your pocketbook or your wallet, every car that's in your driveway, every whatever it is, it's God's. Jesus has entrusted us with the possession. And our number one responsibility as a steward is to be faithful. Used to be unfaithful stewards, they called them crooks. Because they would steal from their owner. Paul said to realize that we are servants, stewards of the mystery of God. He went on to say in verse 3 through 5, But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you or a man's judgment. Yea, I judge not my own self, for I know nothing by myself. Yet am I not hereby justified? But he that judgeth me is the Lord. Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the hearts. And then shall every man have praise of God. My stewardship, my service, Paul said, is to not be judged by no man. I don't care how meaningless you think your gift is, it's important, church. And don't let no man down you because of the gift that God's given you. You want me to tell you the most judgmental people are normally the ones that are doing nothing and they're mad at everybody that's doing something. Why? Because they know that God has gifted them, but they're too lazy to get up and do service. Oh, boy. Everything we do is going to be judged by Christ. Nobody can read anybody's heart. Only God sees the man's heart. Paul gave another instruction to the servants in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 5. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and singleness of heart as unto Christ. He was telling slaves, he said, serve your owners as if you, though you were serving Christ verse 6 not with eye service as men pleasers but as the servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart 
We got too many pastors looking for the approval of men. We've got too many members of churches looking for the approval of pastor. Listen to me. You can fool me all you want. You're not going to stand before me. We become slaves to human opinion in the world today. Trying to please man rather than trying to please God. And what we have done is we have compromised. When we serve, church, when we truly serve, we shouldn't need everybody, everyone to see what we're doing. We shouldn't even need anybody to see what we're doing because we're doing it for an audience of one. My goal is to please Christ. People pleasers cannot be servants of God. Keep your eyes on Christ, not the world's judges. <laughs> Listen to me. When you stand before God, what I think of you don't matter anymore. Service is sacred, and it is a sacred call of every single Christian. Remember in the end, we all want to hear one one good statement, and that is, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Mike, you've served well. Enter in. Happy, you've served well. Enter in. Well done, thou good and faithful church member. room to a life of service this should be exciting but to many people we get hung up on the belief that well I can't do it as good as Daffy does God's not calling you to be Daffy he's calling you to be you and he's not calling you to do what Daffy's doing he's calling you to do what you're supposed to be doing if every single person did the call on their life not one person in this church would be burnt out of Christian service. But what ends up happening is 20% of the church does 100% of the work, and those 20% are burnt out and don't want to do anything. Church, we need your help. I need teachers to say, I want to lead our kids. We need teachers that say, hey, I want to teach in certain classrooms. We need people that will come in here on Monday, three days a week at 9 o'clock and join these four that's been here the last two weeks and say, we're going to pray and we're going to become part of the prayer team because that's what's going to make a difference in the church. See, we don't get excited when we start talking about stuff like this. We don't swing from the chandeliers when we talk, start talking about serving. popular idea in the church is well servants are doing full time ministry that's not true that can be that is the farthest thing from the truth we are all servants of the kingdom 
every work that advances the gospel is needful and valuable. Not every person can go out on a mission field, but we can all share the gospel in Boone County, our uttermost part of the earth. Some people can sing in the choir. You don't want me to do that. Others can, God is has blessed them and, and, and they've got a gift of giving and they give and they just give to people. But I close with this statement and I don't even know who quoted it but it's a quote and it says God invites us to do His work in the world whether the task is great or small and we all do it by serving our fellow man. What's the calling on your life this morning? I want us to close our eyes. I believe there's people in this room for for many different reasons. You know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God has gifted you and placed a calling on your life to be in certain aspects of ministry. But for whatever reason, you you feel inadequate. You feel like that it's not good enough or you just feel like, I don't want to do it. You're needed. This church needs you, and the kingdom of God needs you to do what God's called you to do. Thanks for listening with us today. We hope that you have been challenged, inspired, or God has changed you somehow or in some way by what you have heard. If you would like to learn more about Fountain of Life Worship Center, find us at our website at folwc.com on Facebook at facebook.com slash folwc or in person. If you have a prayer request that you would like us to join in praying with you, please head to our prayer page at folwc.com slash prayer and click the image that reads prayer request. If you'd like to support this ministry, you can go to our website folwc.com and click give at the top of the page. Join us every Thursday for a new podcast. Hit subscribe on the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts to keep up with our most recent podcast episode. Have a great day, and God bless you all.